Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Leith Wardy, he uh, is the vice chair of uh, Emerge 2040. Leith, uh, good to see you again, sir. Good to see you. And we have uh, Judge Ernest DeSantis. It's his first appearance on the show. He is the chairman of Emerge 2040 Committee. Judge, we're glad to have you on. We're kind of a family show. We'd love to get your your origin story. Did you grow up here in Erie, or are you a transplant in? Uh, what nice to be here. You know, I'm actually a native Erie. I was born here, and I uh, went to school here. Went to uh, you know public school, and then I went to prep, then went to Gannon, graduated, and went away to law school at the University of Akron. Then um, I was gone about 10 years. I met my wife in Pittsburgh and we were down there um, about six and a half. And then I came back to Erie uh, in uh, 1980, November of 1980, and then held a number of positions here. We subsequently had three children, raised our family here. So been here ever since. But my, my family is from here and I was born and raised here. What was, the, what was the nature of your practice in private practice? What was your wheelhouse? I did a I did a few things early on, uh, but the bulk of my career was uh, was a criminal prosecutor. I was in the district attorney's office for a number of years, then the United States Attorney's Office uh, for a number of years. Before then, I went on the bench, and I had done some other work before that. But probably the majority of my practice was in the criminal area. Cool. Yeah, that seems to be a, a, a route that that uh, a lot of folks take. They, they spend some time at the DA's office. They might spend some time at the U.S. attorney, and then they end up on the, the Court of Common Pleas. That's, that's Yeah, that's cool. not unusual. Yeah. All righty. So uh, let me read the Destination Erie. Well, it's, it was at one point Destination Erie, but now it's the Erie, uh, 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 you know, the Emerge 2040. Erie region is a place where businesses, neighborhoods, and families thrive where education is valued and seen as a pathway to success and fulfillment, where the natural environment is conserved for future generations, and where communities are livable and connected both within Erie County and within the larger Great Lakes region. That's, the, that's our vision statement. Uh, we invested uh, 3, 000, 3 million of the feds money from HUD. Uh, how's that vision going? Lath, we'll start with you. Uh, how do you see that vision going five years in? I think Erie's made some miraculous uh, uh, progress, uh, you know, and the reality is the rest of the world doesn't stand still as we're kind of chipping away at the stone. Other communities are self-actualizing and doing things, but I feel like a lot of the overarching kind of uh, uh, goals, objectives, and kind of the, the general vision of the plan and, you know, the plan really, the, the formative stages of the plan really predate both uh, Judge DeSantis and myself. We kind of came on after the fact, but, you know, I feel like the, the, the genesis of the plan, the essence of the plan, that really kind of the, the vision of the plan is, has in many cases been realized or is on its way to being realized. So I'm very optimistic right now. Uh, Judge DeSantis, what do you think? Weigh in on that. Well, I would agree with Lathan. He's right. He and I came on board around march of 2015 or a little after when the plan was actually rolled out and um historically what happened is you had the hud grant that you talked about and then you had the process that took place about three years before that 
And the whole idea was to recognize that there were challenges that the region had to meet, uh, not just any particular municipality, but the region as a whole. And that would include the 38 municipalities. Plus, if you look at the entire region, you're looking at other counties. You'd have, um, you got uh, Crawford County, you've got Warren County, you've got Chautauqua County in New York, you got Ashtabula County in Ohio. And so the process really was the engagement of 72 community leaders, and those just weren't governmental leaders. They were from the public and private sector. You had about 150 public meetings. You had about 4,000 people engaged in gathering input. So you had that, and it's real interesting. When you look at uh, the book that was put out that sort of summarized the plan and the rollout, they talked about some things that are just as important today that they were then. They talked about poverty and poverty not only in the inner cities, and we have two cities in the county area in the city of Cory, but also in the rural areas. It talked about it talked about job growth and economic development. It talked about um, education, both in terms of public education for our children, but also uh, education uh, preparing individuals for jobs that either existed in the community or might be um, you know, coming to the fore as businesses might relocate here. And then you had this uh, overarching theme of collaboration, um, that it was important not to do this necessarily on an individual basis, but to collaborate among really all the powers that be uh, in addressing the challenges that we were facing at that point in time um, in, in our history. Uh, Leif, talk about what people are supposed to do with this document. And again, I, I have the, the book in front of me and I have the five-year report. Um, is, is, you, know, you talk about those, those 72 individuals or whatever the, it is uh, that, were, that are currently involved in that com- on the kind of the master committee. Uh, are they, is, this a, is this like a reflection back? At, hey, how you know, every, every year, two years, you reflect back and see if we've, if we've moved the ball forward? Or is it supposed to be a decision-making document where, uh, where this is steering decision-making for municipalities and for the nonprofits and, and so on? I, this has really been to me, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak for the judge, but I think there's been a point of contention with a lot of the kind of inner circle that, hey, you know, the municipalities and, and, and the key stakeholders aren't necessarily following the plan. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't care whether they're following the plan or not. The issue is the plan identified gaps and challenges and opportunities. And the question is, as a community as a whole, have we closed those gaps? Have we seized on those opportunities? Have we self-actualized? So to me, the plan really just states, hey, here's where we are. Here's the situational analysis of where we are in a global context where we need to go. And the question is, as a community, did we have our act together enough, whether it was adherence to the plan or not, to say, these are pieces of the puzzle that we have to put together to make ourselves whole. And I think the answer overwhelmingly is people weren't necessarily subscribing to the plan or, you know, going to church every Sunday, if you will, but they're, but they're, they're living the message. They've got the gospel. That's to me, the bigger issue. Yeah. And again, it is, it is really comprehensive, right? Judge. I mean, I mean, as far as when you think about, 
you know, the school district has their plan, and Erie has their plan, and Embrace Mill Creek, and what they've got out in the county, uh, at, you know, Albion's got a plan. And so, I mean, like, it's basically trying to capture all of it in addition to, hey, what are some of our environmental goals? What are, what are some of our lifestyle goals? Well beyond, hey, how are we going to uh, retrofit uh, the zoning on Peninsula Drive so that it's more accommodating to tourists, right? I mean, it's, it's much more broader than that. It is, and I think, uh, just to follow up on what Lay said, you know, we weren't involved in the initial process, but just from the people we've spoken to and our own experience, I think when the plan was rolled out, it was meant to be just that. It was meant to be a regional plan that organizations and people could hook into. And I think it was partially a reaction to what has happened over the years where you have all these plans that are done on a more parochial basis, and they're followed maybe for about a year, then they get shelved. Yeah. And I think this was an, an, a really a, a movement or a project that was said, Let's kind of collectively get everybody together. Let's figure out what are our initial priorities and then how do we have an action plan to gotcha. develop those? And then as part of the plan, there was built in, and you you alluded to this, a five-year review, which is what we completed. We got it took us a little longer because of the issue of COVID, but the idea was you would look at the plan in five years and Assess, have you met your goals either on a short or long-term basis? And then and then did the plan need to be tweaked because has have the situation on the ground a change so that you'd have to do that? And interestingly, in Lace Right, I don't I think we made a lot of strides, and not necessarily because people would say, well, we looked at the plan and we used the plan uh, as part of what we did in terms of our shorter long-term goals. Although that was done, for instance, if you look at the Erie Refocus Plan, it references this plan. Now, it has some, um, you know, more minute focuses dealing with issues in the city, but it adopts it. But on, on the other hand, uh, you've got other plans that were formulated that may not have directly related to our plan or referred to it. But I think the important part is that the process in formulating the plan um, afforded people an opportunity to identify what the problem areas were and then address them. So I think, if anything, you probably got a consensus on what were the critical issues that were being faced by the, by the region uh, in 2015 and in the years preceding that when the plan was being formulated. And I think that, that may have been, in many ways, the crucial benefit. Yeah, being in being in those, I, I, I was in those public meetings. You know, uh, I wasn't part of the the the, the specific group, but uh, when it was public outreach, it was very very cool to be able to kind of write uh, write our ideas down and and uh, talk th talk them through. And it was a very deliberative process, uh, even to the point of uh, you know uh, focus groups in a box that were going around to the garden clubs and to the bowling uh, groups and so on. We're kind of getting a report card on on the Emerge 2040 plan here. And the first big chunk is economic growth and job development. And uh, again, this goes everything from uh, in, uh, entrepreneurism and entrepreneurial ecosystems to regional tourism and uh, family sustaining employment. Um, 
I find it interesting that uh, when it says create stable family-sustaining employment opportunities and build wealth by creating and expanding local businesses and pairing them with Erie County anchor institutions, it's not showing that any progress was being made. So, uh, Leif, uh, kind of weigh in on that uh, uh, as what you see there. Uh, We see that efforts are ongoing, but we haven't reached any kind of uh, nexus of of, uh, of growth there. I think in in some ways you have. I mean – Erie Insurance is its own son, if you will. There are, you know, there are a, a number of orbiting uh, 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 companies that are that are supply chain to Erie Insurance, to to uh, uh, to uh, UPMC, to St. Vincent. I mean, to to Gannon. So I think it's happening. Does it need to be accelerated? Yes. And I would just say to you, I, I, I feel because it's my focus, but I feel. In economic development, we were really woefully inadequate in comparison. I mean, we're not even talking about world-class markets in the United States. We're talking about marginal markets in the United States, and Erie wasn't even keeping pace with with those communities. So I felt this was one of the biggest tasks that the the plan really uh, uh, laid out. Uh, entrepreneurial development, I feel we've done a very, very good job with. There's a lot of places, right. and you know, we have to be realistic about what that means. You know, the 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 life chances of an entrepreneur in a Silicon Valley or a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania are going to be different than an Erie, Pennsylvania. But given our circumstance here, given the type of community that we have, I think we found a lot of ways for uh, uh, entrepreneurs to plug in, and a lot of ways to to really instigate entrepreneurial development. There's a number of different initiatives. I, I'd say, I don't know what you think, Judge. I think we get an A-plus in that area. Yeah, I think um, the, the one of the problems you have, and I'm not an economic development specialist, but one of the problems you have sometimes, especially if you're of a certain age, is you, you look back at Erie, and uh, when you were talking before, during the, the break, Joel, about just a, a community of 140,000 people and a 12th Street corridor where you had all these businesses and you had, uh, you know, you had GE, you had Kaiser, you had a hammer mill paper. You had a you had a totally different economy. And now when you when you take away that a lot of that manufacturing base, you've got something that looks really entirely different. You know, you have your tourism component that's consistent, but now, you know, when your major when your major businesses are you know things like uh, Erie Insurance, your hospitals, your colleges and universities? It looks a whole lot different. And then you know what Leith was talking about is too is that you have these you know you have these smaller businesses that have popped up in the tech area, which I think have been really a strong point for us. And but the question is, it looks so much different. You know you just don't you don't have this. I guess outside of maybe Erie Insurance, you don't have these big multinational conglomerates that you look to that, I don't know, maybe they offer a little bit of cachet and name only to what's going on in your city, but it's entirely different. But when you look at these, you know, startup business that have begun to pop up uh, that are maybe a little smaller in scope, but they're in the right industries, mostly tech, then you say, yeah, there has been progress. And of course, then the issue becomes, how do you grow on that? Well, yeah, Judge, I, w- I would just tell you, I, I, would, I like our position as a community now with a diversified economy much better than 
kind of what you and Joel were opining over with the old economy. No offense, but we right. had an concentration of manufacturing companies was such that that was our, in my mind, our Achilles heel. And I think you could argue that when you look at a, any world-class economy anywhere in the world, they're a balanced and diversified economy that allow labor participants, your talent and workforce to plug in in a lot of different ways. So I feel like I, I like I like where we are today in that respect. I just want to make sure than- we're not just turning our back on advanced manufacturing because that is within our still our DNA. And, it, you know, I, you know, I have a lot of conversations on this show. And part of part of where I thought we were going is things like the Internet of Things. I thought we were doing tech and making stuff. And and I, I'm, I'm not necessarily seeing that in, in this particular merge report, but that's still got to be a part of the three legged stool. Right. Yeah, it is, Joel. But I'm going to tell you, I feel like any manufacturer worth her or his salt today is assimilating technology for operations and and product development, et cetera. So I feel like that's I don't want to minimize it. I feel it's almost a given those companies that survived the 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 Bush Obama uh, recession and this current covid uh, uh, a downturn. Those companies that are going to thrive after those two kind of seismic events, they're already companies. You don't have to convince them to be lean, work globally, assimilate technology. These are companies that are already drinking, kind of drinking that Kool-Aid every day. They're already down those paths. One, one more question. Would it behoove us to do like what Milwaukee did and say, you know what, we're going to be the water capital of the world. Is there something there that we should be hanging our hat on, that, whether it's in, you know, insurance or, or you know, build into, lean into our strengths here? And we, we don't, we just, we seem to have a hard time identifying that. Whereas I feel like, you know what, the if I just say one thing about Erie and I'm not, I wasn't born here, but I've lived here so long. I feel like I've lived here my entire life. I feel like emblematic of our community a lot of times is we are chasing the shiny objects. We don't have, and I feel like that's one of the things with this plan that is so critical. We need to take a long disciplined view on what we're doing, who we are, what we want to be. And I feel like, you know, we're always subjected to political whims and, you know, the, the, who's the funding source and what do they want to do? And instead of, you know, I look at communities that are really self-actualizing and they're the ones that say, look, we're going to be impervious to political change. We're going to be impervious to who's got the deepest pockets. This is the game plan and we're sticking to it if it's working for us. And I feel like we we have a lot of starts and stops in our in our eerie history that are that don't bode well for us because Every time we sit on the sidelines, the competition keeps moving forward. The Milwaukee's of the world, they're not stopping the way we are. Mm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if we can get one minute in on workforce because it goes part and parcel with what we're talking about with the economic development. Um, again, we have out migration of our, uh, basically the the kids that we're educating in our universities. We have the equivalent of a di- district uh, a division one school when you put all of our schools together. Yet uh, the kids are not staying. Uh, Doctor uh, uh, Judge DeSantis, excuse me. I mean, what do we do about this work? workforce piece? Well, that's a good question. That is a problem. And and you've got a couple different issues to deal with. But one of the big issues is not only um, lack of opportunity in certain areas, it's demographics. 
Look what's happened to the Erie School District. They have closed high schools. They've, they basically have consolidated. The same thing is happening in, in the parochial school system. It's because you have a population decrease. You have, a, you, have a, uh, you have fewer people in the workforce, potentially in the workforce. And the question, how do you, you deal with that? One more thing on uh, education and training and workforce, gentlemen. I, I, I got to think that the, the development of the Erie County Community College is, is a big win when it comes to moving this ball forward, wouldn't you think? This is one of those situations, Joel, that all we're doing by having a community college is keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, right. We're not innovating or doing anything groundbreaking. Right. But anybody from the outside world who looks at our community and says, wait a minute, they don't have a structural way of agile training. They don't have a pathway to, to, to put drywall wallers or welders on the street quickly or nurses. There, every Southern state has a strong community college network. And I'm just going to say editorially, this is when I, I hear elected officials talking about the cost of the college. They're looking at the glass half empty in the wrong way yeah it's not it's an attribute it's an asset for the community it and, and it's, that's one of the things i think the judge and i would agree that's one of the things that w was really aspirational with the plan that was that was you know due to the efforts of a lot of folks uh in the community they they pulled it out it was great Let's, let's pivot to vibrant and safe communities here. This goes to that livable piece here that's part of the, the grand vision. And, Judge, uh, wh what, what do you like as far as where we're really making some movement here on the vibrant and safe communities? Well, I think where, where we've made some – I say we. I don't mean the steering committee, but as a community, I think what's been really good is that you have now – really identification of the needs within individual neighborhoods. And, you know, because they vary, the neighborhoods vary in terms of what they need. And I think now you've had an, you have some institutions, some programs, some of which were started by the Erie County Planning Department. Um, and then you have individual neighborhood groups um, with, within those specific locales that have really tried to identify what is needed there. And that's really in a couple different areas. When you're looking at uh, this fiber and safe communities, you're looking at um, health. And I know that's another component of what we had. You're also looking at safety for those neighborhoods. You're looking at blight remediation. And there have been some really terrific strides made there by the city and county and here in Erie and Cory um, and some of the other municipalities in terms of identifying blight um, providing, uh, I think the city has provided some grant money to help landlords keep up their properties because sometimes you have landlords that are, you know, working on a shoestring, but they're not, they're not really providing adequate housing, but this is an assist, an, an assist for them. And also going to these communities and basically through the land grant program, buying up these properties, turning them into green spaces, maybe renovating them or reselling them for some other purpose. But I think that has been crucial because what we talked about on the break is that if you're going to draw people to Erie, if you're going to keep people here, if you're going to make, if you're going to have satisfying lives for the people that do live here and work here, the city and the, the region and the county, they have to be livable.
they have to provide they have to provide outlets for recreation, for the arts, uh, for culture. Um, it has to be welcoming to immigrants who come in because I think a, a region like ours is ripe for the relocation of immigrants, and we've been very welcoming in that in that regard. Provides you with an economic workforce that's willing to be trained. So I think this all goes to this issue of livability. I think we've made some really good strides here as a community and as a region, but we have a long way to go because we still have, we still have high poverty that has to be addressed. You know, we have to provide a good education for our kids and we have to make sure that it's a healthful environment. Leith, I want to I want to ask you about the you know this kind of goes with land use as well. Um, you know we have a lot of mid century moderns in, in in Erie County. You know the last time you know uh, we had major major uh, development was in the late eighties. You know with Wolf Run and so on. And I'm thinking not just the city of Mill Creek and Harbor Creek, but the boroughs as well. There's a lot of infrastructure in a place like McCain or a place like Cory or Union City where there has not been development, there has not been new housing uh, for decades. And I'm wondering if, if, that's, if, if there's got to be some incentives to kind of backfill where we already have existing uh, infrastructure to kind of upgrade our housing stock. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's important, but I feel like organically you get to that spot based on what we were talking about a few minutes ago, and that is the immigration of people into Erie that look at a disadvantaged area and say, wait a minute, with a little bit of spit and polish, I can make this house really nice. And then you start to see whole tracks of the community improving. I mean, these are problems that like a Dallas-Fort Worth doesn't have the way Erie has because they've got an influx of 50 people every week coming in and they're, you know, buying up property and they're going in and and then everybody, the the existing citizens in in an impoverished area say, wait a minute, the guy down the street just put 20 grand into that house. I'm going to put money into my house. So the ball gets rolling that way. And I feel like a lot of what Erie lacks is a basic kind of precept that we need influx of population. We need to be building our population and a lot of good things organically stem from that in my mind. And again, I think, um, it, it, it does happen organically. How many people have we talked to where they went to Gannon, they went to Mercyhurst or Barron, they fell in love with the town and they built their lives here? You know, it's that kind of thing. Or, you know, some entrepreneur is, you know, a fire accelerator or something like that and says, you know what, this is the place where we want to grow our businesses. Uh, I do think, though, that our lack of of broadband, and I know there's broadband money coming from the feds, but boy, Judge, uh, we are way behind on that, I feel, in Erie. Well, we were, and I think that's something that every everybody identified early on. You know, we had that, what was that, that last mile of connectivity that just wasn't occurring. And you're right, I mean, you know, this is, you know, this is an internet society now. And, you know, if you live outside the city or Mill Creek in some areas where you just don't have adequate broadband, it really puts you behind the eight ball because you just, you don't have access to information. And, and the, you know, the, the citizens that live in that area need that. So this has been a big priority. And I think finally it's going to come to fruition because the, the money is going to be there. 
but you're right, it's critical to a community's development. And I think it also spawns regionalism because it's a connectivity that right. you all that you all have access to. Yeah, and I don't know how it's all going to play out with the federal money, but boy, it can't come soon enough. I'm going to move on to environment. We're down to our last uh, 16 or 17 minutes here till the top of the hour. And again, uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Hey, we have the peninsula. How you know, you know, we we are obviously doing great with the environment, but a lot of this has to do with you know plastics, uh, the effluent uh, going in. You know, whether it's from uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, from farms or you know, from the sewers, the storm sewers, and so on. How, how what's the, what's the report card on the environment for Erie County, Lace? Um, I think it's a I think it's a mixed bag. And for, from our vantage point with Emerge, I think there was a recognition that we certainly appreciate the plastics industry in Erie and the tool and die industry in Erie that are kind of intertwined. But you're right, Joel, the downside of that industry is they are creating an awful lot of waste. And, and a lot of that, that ends up in our rivers, our lakes, our streams, et cetera. So that was a recognition point. I think the, 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 the high water marks, and this is something that was discussed a lot with, with Emerge, you know, a year and a half ago when we saw record lake levels, I mean, you literally had people calling Matt Green and saying, how do you fix this? And he's like, I, I don't have the ability to fix this. Wow. This is not something we can do at the ranger station. But I mean, I think the public mentality is sometimes not aligning with the realities of what can really be done. But that's another thing. We look at Presque Isle, and I mean, it truly is, it, it's a peninsula that's susceptible to not only pollution, but it's susceptible to water levels. It's susceptible to, to, to uh, 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 algae. There's a lot of things that have kind of come to the forefront. Uh, environment is not my, my core competency, but I, that is definitely something like Barb Chafee with track. She, she's really uh, uh, assembling the cast and, and characters that, that need to be part of this. And they're, they're trying to figure a lot of this out. This is, you know, the, the climate issues we're dealing with, Globally, this is all impacting a lot of the assets that we have here. Judge, talk about uh, the idea of, and I know Kathy Dahlkepper wanted to get this done under her watch, but uh, ha hasn't come through yet. This Lake Erie Quadrangle National Marine Sanctuary, the idea of having a marine sanctuary uh, off the peninsula there, that could be a, a huge deal. It is, and I, I know that was one of her pet projects, or at least one of the things that she really uh, worked hard on and trying to get us a part of, and actually our, our application, we, we didn't come in last time around, but it's still very much alive. We're, we're in the next cycles, I believe. But I think when you look at that, when you talk about marine, the marine sanctuary, it does a lot of things. I think it, all, it brings resources into the area for environmental concerns to a community like ours. And you know, one thing about what has happened over the last five years is that people recognize the importance of the enviro environmental aspect of the community. And in particular, obviously the peninsula and Lake Erie. So you've got organizations that are, that are, are working in that area. You have Trek and uh, Leith alluded to it and what Barb Chafee and her group is doing. You have, you have the, the crane movement, which is, uh, you know, the Community Reliance Action Network, 
which is, is very environmentally attuned. Um, off, off the mark a little bit on um, ecology, but Erie, is, uh, Erie County also is uh, involved in the LEADCO project, which is the wind energy project uh, for the lake. Now that's, that's not strictly environmental from the standpoint of the lake, but it is in terms of energy and alternative energy sources to fossil fuel. So I think it's one of those things we have a long way to go, but here I think that Leith has a good point. You know, we have a very vibrant plastic industry in Erie, which is good, but it, it, it appears that what has happened with the onset of plastics, which has been going on for a long time, we haven't really kept pace ecologically in terms of, you know, how do we recycle this stuff or how, you know, what do we do with it? And then a lot of it is in our, our, our making. Some of it gets shipped overseas and then gets dumped. But the bottom line is we're, we're kind of fighting a battle here because there's a lot of this junk that's in the oceans and the lakes. And now we need the technology and there's some being developed to get it out. Got to get it out of there. All right. I'm down to my last uh, six, seven minutes. I got three more to go here. Uh, arts, culture, and recreation. And, and Laith, here's my big fear. Maybe you can address it. You know, we benefit, we are blessed by the largesse of, of uh, investments made a hundred years ago and, and, and 50, 60 years ago where we have a Philharmonic, we have community theater, we have dance and, and all these performing arts. We have this amazing art museum. I mean, we really punch above where we are as a community you're right, now. You're right on. You're <laughs> you know, right. and we're, so we're, I'm yeah. scared we're going to lose all that. And and this is the big conversation I have on with Twitter with with people who say, oh, we could be a perfectly fine seventy five thousand uh, person uh, city. And I'm like, you will lose almost everything if we don't reboot our population. But uh, go ahead. No, I think you're right on. I feel like a lot of those assets are contingent on economies of scale and population size. And, you know, the difference between being a community of 100,000 people or over 100,000 people and 75,000 people has ramifications for a whole lot of federal funding. I know it's not cool or in vogue to say, hey, you know, even forget about uh, American Rescue Plan money, just in a normal course of events, people don't want to admit that we all rely on federal government revenue sharing for a lot of the things we're able to, to do. Those dollars are are contingent on, on just what we're talking about here. Uh, let's move to community health. Uh, 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 Judge DeSantis, uh, I remember when I first met Melissa Lyon, we were talking about, you know, a lot of Erieites have bad habits. We're trying to improve those. we got the blue zones going on in Cory. Uh, what, what were the big findings that you found in Emerge 2045 years in for community health? Well, I think it were the things that led to those types of programs that, you know, the key is to educate the community and to healthy living. And it's multifaceted, but one of the things with the blue zones, I know um, when Kathy Dahlkemper was, was, was really out there evangelizing about this and, you know, to, to Mayor Dave Mitchell and the people in Cory that actually instituted it is, you know, you, you can actually start in the schools, you know, with providing, uh, pro providing good, healthy meals for students and you're training the kids in eating healthily. You know, you're really training the, the next generation. And of course, the combat of smoking, 
you know, and the other thing is, um, you know, the emphasis by the county health department and other, you know, medical delivery systems in basically getting getting medical care out to our community. In, in many of our poor areas, one of the problems we have, and it's somewhat related to our healthcare system, is that people don't have access to ongoing healthcare. I mean, you know, most of us that have insurance, you're used to going to your doctor once a year for a physical and getting checked up and getting your vaccinations and inoculations, or if you get a certain age like me, maybe you're going in twice a year to have, you know, stuff checked. But you know, it's it's accessibility to good health care. We have good health care here, but it's making it accessible. And I think the blue zones, um, the community health, uh, the schools program that the United Way sent up, which has a health component to it in the schools itself, are are real positive. So I think the city has made strides here, but we have some st systemic issues, much related to insurance and the delivery system, which is which I'm not an expert at, which I think has has been somewhat of an impediment um, to really making some str more strides in this area. I'm going to make it. Uh, just, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say just kind of dovetailing on what the judge was just alluding to. You look at blue zones and to me, aside from the intrinsic value of blue zones in Corey and how it's going to kind of move the needle from the outside world, it defines who we are, the kind of swagger we have. When you talk about arts and culture in Erie and you say, wow, that community that size has a museum. They have a really nice, uh, uh, they have a really nice uh, Philharmonic. They've got a historic theater. These things all define us to the outside world. I think a lot of times people in our community assume that everybody knows who we are and what we represent. But we are defining ourselves by our actions every day. Even how we're handling the pandemic as a community tells the outside world everything they need to know about us. So we have to be real cognizant about for public consumption, what are we putting out there? What vibe are we putting out there? Blue Zones is a very strong vibe. And I, I you know, Judge, you've mentioned Kathy Delkemper twice, and I think we have to give her all the credit in the world for, for Emerge 2040. And I think we have to give Mayor Schember uh, and Mayor Mitchell, the, those three elected officials were really doing an extraordinary amount of work on this initiative. That, that's a great uh, segue to our final segment here, regional collaboration and leadership. Uh, you know, uh, I always point back to kind of the trough of our, our recent past, that CBS report that basically said, you know, uh, 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 you know, shut the lights off in Erie and throw away the key. And we've been kind of climbing ever since. And, uh, you know, it started in the nonprofit world and then the for-profit world. And now we're seeing the public world coming together. Are we starting to speak with one voice, Judge? Uh, I mean, especially in front of Harrisburg, in front of Washington and so on. Yeah, I think I think we are. And I think you've seen a collaboration here. I mean, on the governmental area, uh, Jessica Haran Kunkel at the uh, you know the Council of Governments. They went from I think seven municipalities to twenty uh, just in the last few years. Um, you've seen you've seen collaboration uh, within the community by businesses, the colleges and universities, and government working on various projects. It's incredible. Um, we did this process. The amount of collaboration among the universities. You know, you think that they're in competition. It's been, I mean, and I, they're competing for students. It's been just the opposite. Uh, 
Gannon, Mercyhurst, uh, Penn State Barron have been involved in a number of collaborative projects, both in the environmental area, the um, really the ecological area, which has been really impressive. And you know, these groups who you might view as competitors, it, it really hasn't been that way. And I think you've seen collaboration within the public and private sector. The thing though, is to have some group um, or at least some person that is coordinating those activities so that you know you can identify projects for them or at least that maybe projects they haven't identified themselves where they can all work together on them. But yeah, I think you've seen regional collaboration and there's been a little bit in terms of the um, interstate collaboration with those counties that I mentioned out of state or with Crawford County. But I think that um, at least there's an identification that we're kind of all in this together. Laith, weigh in on this. Uh, again, you, you don't suffer fools when it comes to leadership. <laughs> are, you, are you seeing strong leadership, especially in the public sector? I, I, I don't know. I think we're going to have to see how, how the, the new county executive kind of uh, internalizes things. And I, I, I don't want to make any judgments here. I wish him well, and I hope for our sake collectively. I feel like part of the strength that we had is what I alluded to before. We had a county executive and a mayor. They didn't agree on everything. But, man, at the end of the day, they were pulling in the same direction every day. They were looking at the long game, and they were pulling in the same direction. And I feel like regardless of party affiliation or anything else, we need to make sure our elected officials understand that's not a seat they're sitting in for eternity. They are, they are, you know, there for a brief period of time. This community, however, has a much longer runway that we have to be dealing with. And I feel like a lot of the decisions I see are kind of false starts, false starts, stop, start, stop, start, do this, do that. That does not, that is not the bellwether of a world-class community. It just, it, it, we have to be, that's our Achilles heel in my mind and always has been. And it's going to, it's going to take nonprofits and for-profit, the, the public, the, the private sector to really put, uh, you know, a lot of pressure to make sure that the public se sector, uh, you know, is there with the same kind of uh, efficacy and, and strength. Uh, I that's that's my opinion. We're going to leave it there. Judge Ernest DeSantis, Laith Wardy from Emerge 2040. Thank you, gentlemen. We could go on forever, but uh, we appreciate your taking the time today. Thanks Thank so much. You. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>